Welcome to the TES FE Podcast with me, Sarah Simon. In this Christmas podcast, I'm chatting with FE Chaplain and Gogglebox Vicar, Reverend Kate Botley. Welcome to the final TESFE podcast of the year. We've made it to Christmas! That was blooming hard work that term, wasn't it? But we're there, so get your trotters up, get your trifle out and relax. In this podcast I'm speaking to Reverend Kate Botley. As well as being an Anglican priest, mum, wife and star of Channel 4's Gogglebox, Reverend Kate is the chaplain of the FE College where I teach. I know, how lucky am I? Anyway, here we are, chatting about support for students, vulnerability and gorillas. Can we start by you explaining to us about what your role is in in FE? So I am an FE chaplain. Uh, There are quite a few of us actually, but it's mostly voluntary. So I'm quite um, unique in that I'm actually paid by the Diocese of Sutherland Nottingham to be a chaplain in this college. And I am employed for 17 and a half hours a week is my sort of time frame. Um, So I have to return timesheets and all that sort of stuff. But uh, what's really interesting is the diocese decided that universities had chaplains and schools church schools would have chaplains but somehow there's this missing gap in the middle in fe and actually what they were finding was that you know surprise surprise it's not just the university kids that need someone to support them it's um it's everybody and so they were wise enough to have an fe post and equally wise to find the kind of right person for it i think and what does your role entail? What do you do in in you know in sort of support yeah. terms? So on a on a day to day basis, it's it's what I do in parish. It's exactly the same as my vicar job. It's talking to people, and sometimes those will be the big conversations in life, and sometimes they'll just be a hello, how are you? What are you having for your dinner? Kind of conversation. It's about being around, and it's about being present in in the place. Um, so. I had a conversation recently with someone who was asking me what I did in college. And they said, oh, so you talk to people about God, do you? And I had to honestly, hand on heart, say it's very rarely God ever comes up in conversation as the college chaplain. Actually, it's much more about uh, starting the conversation from where they're at. And if we get around to faith and belief and spirituality, then all well and good. But actually, it's much more about being that... um, it's not quantifiable necessarily so it's smsc stuff uh, social moral uh, spiritual and cultural stuff it's also things like quality and diversity training it's putting displays up about world aids day it's doing the shoebox appeal it's helping the college think about remembrance it's those big key events so we have the big events which i call like the gathering round the fire kind of events and then we also have the sort of one-to-one day-to-day kind of things as well so it's everything from handing out condoms to helping a learner say goodbye to a much loved relative at a funeral I've done some weddings I've done some christenings off the back of working here Uh, but actually it's much more about being a person and someone that they can talk to. In terms of spirituality how important do you think that is in in an education setting? Well for me it's key I used to be a secondary school teacher and I used to teach RE and it was that old adage of why do I have to do RE I'm not religious well, you're not a plank of wood, but you do DT. So, um, you know, that kind of uh, was always my argument when I came back to them. But, um, yeah, it's it's that idea that there is m- more to human existence than just being a cog in a machine or a rat in a rat race. You know, and it's that extra, it's that extra garnish 
of education, the stuff that we actually as teachers probably got into it for in the first place, that stuff that's not quantifiable, the uh, the excitement that you see in a learner's eyes when they learn something new, when they go from not being able to do something to do something else, I would call that spirituality. The making a difference type yeah, it's stuff. Absolutely, that's like absolutely what it is. It's it's the passion that you talk about when you talk to people who work in education. They never say, I got into it for filling in forms or I got into it for statistics or I got into it because, you know, what they talk about is enabling young people to achieve and enabling all people to achieve. And for me, that has an inherent spiritual aspect to it because it's about acknowledging that we are more than just consumers and producers. We're actually human beings who have an experience. We're not human doings, we're human beings. And spirituality for me is very much about that. So I'm a chaplain of all faiths and none. I happen to be a Christian, happen to be a vicar, but I'm happy to talk about anything and everything to anyone. You're in your dog collar. You're in your dog collar and your your what do I call you? What? No, I mean you're you I'm not in my cassock. No, you're not in a no. cassock. In your outfit. Oh yeah, I'm in vicar clothes. You're in you're in I'm your vicar, vicar yeah, you're in your vicar clothes. Aye. Is that ever a barrier? Yeah. I, I mix it up. So sometimes I'll not wear it at all, I'll not wear my vicar stuff. And sometimes I'll wear my brightly coloured dog collars and sometimes I'll wear, you know, my knee eye dot martins and try and mix it up a bit because I understand that for lots of people culturally the clerical collar could be a barrier. But similarly, I see lots of our Muslim students wearing a very visible sign of their faith, especially our, our female Muslim students. And so I'm very keen, actually, for, for a symbol of faith to be quite public mm-hmm. in this place because the danger is that all the posh schools and the posh places get the visible faith bit because you know I go into independent schools and stuff and they have a chaplain the chaplain and all that kind of stuff and it's seen as a bit kind of highbrow to have that kind of thing and it's not like that it's not like so we don't have a chapel we don't have services we don't have that kind of thing we have a space for people to come and talk and it's much more and I suppose I'd call myself ground troops actually Mm. and I'm there for any conversation that's really interesting what you're saying about um posh schools um, I was in a very posh school a while back at a, a conference and they had the most beautiful sort of chapel and it was yeah. all gold inside. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't put that together with you having your office in college. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it just seemed part of it yeah. being in the posh school. Yeah. yeah, and we expect it, don't we, from our independent schools. We expect them to, and, and from our Oxbridge colleges, we yeah, expect absolutely. them to have chapels and all that kind of stuff and the chaplain and that's part of the culture of those places. Whereas in places like FE, that's not necessarily the culture. But actually what I find is, you know, we're in workshop, it's mainly white, it's mainly working class, former pit villagers. Actually, there's a, there's a folk religion thing going on a lot of the time, which might not be articulated in a specific Christian aspect, but we, you know, they want to talk about people that they've loved that have died they want to do something around remembrance i put something really simple up in the in the bistro a few months ago which was just a branch of a tree with some white ribbons and i invited people to write the name of a loved one on a white ribbon and tie it to the branch of the tree i think we stopped at about 350 learners who'd engaged with this 350 400 over the course of about two days now that's a massive engagement a very very small thing but the conversations that spun off out of that about belief and about faith and about what life after death and about those big questions that all the time as educators we're trying to get learners to engage with aren't we mm-hmm. we're trying to get them to think for themselves and think beyond the box and all that sort of stuff but a very simple thing like that enabled all sorts of conversations to happen so i would say um a bit of a catalyst really is what your chaplain should be somebody who just kind of sparks off things and tries to get tries to get debate tries to get conversation going 
I follow you on Twitter and you're absolutely brilliant on, on Twitter. Really, really enjoy enjoy your tweets. You wrote something recently about you'd had a bit of a negative, some negative comments from a student, which was, again, was something to do with God yeah, yeah, yeah. not being relevant, all yeah. that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And you wrote something which absolutely chimed with me as a teacher and I know would with a lot of other teachers that you know, knew that it wasn't about you. It was about the student and what she was going through. Yeah, well, when you wear a dog collar for a living and you put yourself out there as a chaplain, you're inviting for people to have a pop about faith and belief. But it's never it never seems to be about what it presents as. Of course it isn't. And I think the, I think I remember the tweet in question and she was saying something about, oh, church is stupid or something like that. Um, and actually, I agree with her. It is pretty stupid most of the time, you know. And I quite often find that these are just ways in to have conversations, you know. We all know when that, when that student, when that learner punches that window, it's probably not about the anger that they're punching the window about. It's probably about something else. And I think our job as teachers, our job as people in education is to scratch beneath that and to help help students after all we're not here just to get them to pass their exams are we if that's all it was about then that would be relatively easy to just churn out people who can pass exams it's actually about educating the whole person and that's my body and spirit in my opinion can you give us any advice to to like teachers like <laughs> like me about being a bit calmer and a bit more so you know a bit more sensitive we hope we all are really supportive and look beyond that initial this kid is being a ginormous pain in the backside <laughs> and know that there's something else going on. Couldn't you give us any advice on that calmness? I think to acknowledge your own anger at times is quite important because I'm very rarely calm on the on the out, on the the inside, but usually calm on the outside. I think that it's about, I, I think it changed as well, and this sounds very trite, but it changed as well when I became a mum, actually, because I stopped seeing, and I was a teacher before I was, before I was a, a vicar, as I say, and I stopped seeing as, the learners as commodities, almost, and thought, oh yeah, they are someone's son and daughter, and that's ter- terribly sentimental, but it's about human connection for me. Now, I know the massive pressure that educators are under and teachers are under, and it's just phenomenal, because you have got to get those forms filled, and you have got to get those results. But actually, there's something about... Well, uh, let me put it this way. For me, being a person of faith, I see God in everybody. I see that glint of God in everyone and that glint of, you know, that Jesus reflecting back on me. It's a brilliant piece in the Bible that says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And the disciples said, "When well, we never saw you hungry. We never saw you thirsty. Jesus says, yeah, but when you saw someone else like that, it was me you were helping. And so I, from my own spiritual point of view, I kind of try and see see that in other people and think, well, you know, and also what would I want? What would what would my child want? What would what would be the best thing to do in these circumstances? And if all else fails, I go into a cupboard and have a swear and a shout and punch a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I see you in there. <laughs> so we're nearly at Christmas. Yeah. Um, not all of our students are going to have, you know, a John Lewis type, perfect, gorgeous Christmas. Yeah. What can we do to support them? I mean, I suppose we're looking at it when they come back in January because we know January is a time when I think things can have happened over yeah. Christmas. Things might have come to a head. It's a time when students tend to drop out it's one of those sort of danger times and how can we better support them through that i think it does actually begin before christmas because i think it's really we have to be really careful that we're not building it up into something that it's not going to be um but at the same time we need to acknowledge that the best times for lots of our learners will be while they're still at college before christmas so it's about acknowledging that there's a celebration letting them have that time because heaven knows on christmas day they might not be getting 
as good a party as they got on the last day of term. So I think there's something about acknowledging that this is a celebration, a time to celebrate, because, you know, there's a time for all things, isn't there? Um, but I also think it's about not building it up too much. And then when they come back, not not building it up again and it being the first point of conversation. And I think in all these things, whether it's Christmas or anything else, or whether it's, you know, someone's had a death in the family or anything, you allow the conversation to start with them and not to start with you. So I go and see a spiritual director once a month who helps me to get my head around stuff, who's brilliant. And whenever I go, there's always this awful bit at the beginning of the conversation where he goes, right, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to let the conversation come. And he just holds the silence. And that's really hard for an extrovert like me. And he allows the conversation to come from me. And I think there's something about not continually grabbing the heart out of people and forcing them to lay it bare, but inviting the space to do that and allowing that to come from them. Mm. So um, it always has to be, student-led it always has to be learner-led um, and it always has to be a, what they want to talk about when they want to talk about it in the way that they talk about it don't underestimate the power of crafts for t- older teenagers either i cannot tell you how excited 19 year olds can get about glitter it's just oh, yeah I, you gave i don't know what was phenomenal. happening but you gave me a monkey did i I don't oh, know yes, what was happening. I took it and I said, thanks very much. And yeah. I was really thrilled, but, but I didn't know what was going on. What I, one of the things I like to do is to give away absurd things because I think there's a real gift in absurdity. So in bizarre objects. So uh, freshers, for example, they're expecting pens and badgers. So I give them small plastic gorillas and they just go, what? <laughs> and, 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 and the amount of conversations that spark from that, ca- from that yeah. silly little thing because it's a ridiculous thing why have you given me a plastic gorilla why do you think I've given you a plastic gorilla well I don't know are you a gorilla I don't know are you a gorilla and then quickly we get onto a different kind of conversation or months later they come back and they go you're that woman that gave me that gorilla what was all that about and we talk and so I I quite often use humour and absurdity and surrealism and stuff that they're not expecting um, to try and get them to talk and try and get them to open up and, and actually even if they don't want to talk and open up just to make that human connection with somebody else over something so ludicrous as a plastic gorilla so perhaps that's the answer after christmas perhaps you need to give away something weird perhaps easter eggs is the answer (laughs) um what should our fe new year's resolutions be as far as um support and offering the best that we can possibly give to our students any ideas yeah well i think i think one of the things that i'm learning about at the moment is vulnerability and um i think that as we get more and more corporate and education and more and more business-like, we sometimes forget that we're actually vulnerable people too. And I think there's a real warmth in showing our own vulnerability to our learners and our own our own uh, weaknesses as well as uh, you know sort of proclaiming our strengths I mean we don't even call them weaknesses anymore do we we say what we do well and what we could do even better you know and actually I think that one of the cores of humanity is to show that we are vulnerable human beings and to open up to our learners you know obviously given given um you know child protection and disclosure and all that sort of stuff but to say you know yeah I'm cross about this too or I'm angry about this too or I feel sad about this or and I think that that's actually when support works really well is when we admit our own frailties and vulnerabilities uh, to those that we are taking care of. What are your Christmas Day traditions? 
Well, of course, it's a working day for me, Christmas Day. Um, so I have services in the morning. In fact, Christmas Eve's busier. I have about four or five services Christmas Eve, including one at midnight. Um, so I usually roll in about one o'clock in the morning. There's always that awful moment where you think, no one's waited up for me. But usually my husband has, which is great. Um, so we tip out of bed early on, open a few presents, get up to church, um, do as quick a service as I possibly can get away with on Christmas Day morning. Honestly, normally when I'm handing out communion, it's and the body of Christ and Christmas Day. Body Christ, body Christ, body Christ. And uh, carols and uh, all that sort of stuff. Quick sermon, because what else is there to say but Jesus is born. Happy birthday, Jesus. Hooray. So we usually have a, a sing song and a happy birthday for Jesus, which is always great. And then I always have my pyjamas on underneath my cassock on Christmas Day. So as I walk back down the aisle after doing the final blessing, I whip off my cassock, jump straight in the car and drive home and flop on the sofa for the rest of the afternoon. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so You're much so and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year. Thank you. Thanks very much to my guest, Reverend Kate Botley, and thanks to you for listening. Have a wonderful holiday and don't lay a finger on that marking for at least a week. This has been the TES FE Podcast with me, Sarah Simons. Merry Christmas and I'll see you next year. Mm-hmm.